Open your cerebral cortex and shift your lobes into upper beta phase because you are going to have Bitcoin knowledge transmitted directly into your vestibulocochlear. Your host at Bitcoin Knowledge is Trace Mayer, an early Bitcoin advocate since it cost a quarter, but this is not intended to be investment advice. A doctor of jurisprudence, but this is definitely not legal advice. And an investor in core cryptocurrency infrastructure, including Armory, BitPay, Kraken, and Mitagio, but this is not a recommendation of those services. Here, you get fed via direct mind download with pure and free Bitcoin knowledge. Welcome back to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast. We have a special guest with us today, Peter Todd. He's a Bitcoin core developer and also uh, was recently involved in the Zero Cash, uh, the Zcash uh, trusted setup. Welcome to the podcast, Peter. Thanks for having me on. So we're going to focus on Zcash here. What is Zcash? Well, Zcash is essentially a fork of Bitcoin. Bitcoin, the protocol, and Bitcoin Core, the source code, where on top of all other ways of you know, moving money around in transparent transactions, you get an additional um, thing, or essentially a private transaction, where the inputs and the outputs are completely hidden from the public, and ultimately that gives you, you know, truly anonymous money if everything works. So how, how does that actually get accomplished? Are we using homomorphic encryption or... Well, it's a thing called uh, a ZK snark, which sounds like sort of a children's book, but uh, essentially it's a way of proving that you did a computation on data that you don't have to go show the public. So it's like me being able to prove to you you know, I did some computation on some data proving something about that data, but you don't actually see the data. Yeah, so you've got encrypted A, encrypted B, and you're able to perform uh, computation between the two and get answer of C, and C can either be encrypted or not. Well, and, and you I could mean, actually have encrypted A and unencrypted B, Yeah. right, in the, in the form. Well, Zcash specifically, what it does is the, the computation you're proving is that you prove that some hidden nonce, when hashed, matches something else. And you're essentially proving knowledge of that nonce. And then you go reveal, you then sort of go reveal something from that publicly, so you can't do a double spend. But what you actually put in that Merkle tree in the first place is hidden. And so, so are we dealing with the inputs and the outputs, or does it actually encrypt the whole block itself into the blockchain? I mean, how? Well, how it's is on a this per transaction basis. Per transaction. Right. So, in okay. addition to normal transactions where the inputs and outputs are public, you have these private transactions where the inputs and the outputs, um, wait, either one or the other, or both are not public. So you're proving you the inputs and outputs match, you know, and where they add up to the right amounts and so on. But what you're not proving, you know, what you're not revealing, is what they actually are. Yeah, and and you can actually, I think when I uh, interviewed Doctor Back, he had said that you can even make one of these inputs or outputs zero because that doesn't change. Well, that's he was probably talking about confidential transactions. Yeah, I mean that's what we were talking yeah. about in the interview. Yeah. So Zcash has some similarities to confidential transactions, but in Zcash, in addition to blinding the amounts. You know, where the outputs came from is completely blinded. 
in an even you know somewhat stronger sense. Oh, then then with confidential trainees. Yeah, wow, it's so- like I'm proving to you and of course the rest of the world that I have a real output. I'm revealing a secret attached to it that I can only reveal it in one particular way. But Which is what the output, Yeah, but what the output actually was is still hidden. You know, sort of like Monero's yeah, cause, ring cause, signatures. Yeah, because with, with confidential transactions, you you in order to get them into encrypted sta- status, you, you have to have brought them from an un, a currently unencrypted status in Bitcoin, right? Well, and, and, uh, it is, you, you and it is known that, that they went into You may be thinking of Adabex, um encrypted transactions, which is just another scheme. Yeah, he's just, in terms there's, of there's, like there's Gandalf, things, yeah. I mean, he's just he's just crazy. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of these schemes. I mean, I have my own stuff with client-side validation where um, potentially can go change the rules so that some of the data, some of the transaction history never has to be revealed to anyone even though there's no encryption. So there's a lot of variation of this. You know, but, j- just just as an aside, you know, totally off-topic tangent, you know, we're about the same age, and, and you know, I remember some of the stuff I was doing in high school, and, like, maybe you can tell a little bit of the story where you got in the email discussion. You're the young Padawan, and, like, you got, you got Yoda... Doctor Back, uh, this email discussion. Maybe you can talk well, a little bit about that. At the time, that. I didn't really think of him as uh, Yoda or anything. He was just another <laughs> dude on the internet. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I um, was interested in the Freenet network, uh, which is this decentralized publication mechanism. And of course, you can do decentralized publication. The next thing to do is decentralized money. Well, it turns out decentralized money is a lot harder than decentralized publication. <laughs> Yeah, I was interested in both, so. That's, uh, right. And so, so, about that. so what, ha- you, you sent him an email? No, or it was, on, it was on the public mailing yeah. list, but it was a question to him. And well, this was. Well, it was just a conversation over a couple. I mean, if you actually looked at the conversation, it's just us brainstorming. How long ago was this? Uh, like 2001, maybe? Wow, so this is 15 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it was Man. Just, just before I turned 16. Isn't it, isn't it just funny how how the world turns? Yeah. <laughs> so so getting back to uh, you know some of these new spells that, uh, <laughs> that yeah. Doctor Back is teaching <laughs> us all how to cast right um, with Zcash. So you were involved in the trusted setup. What yes. what exactly does that mean? Like what what is the setup? Why did we need it? And why did it need to be trusted? Well, so the big catch with ZK Snarks is in the version where they're non-interactive, where you know, which is appropriate for say uh, cryptocurrency, where you have to give the entire world this one piece of data, proof, you know, making that proof for long and complicated reasons. Underlying math uh, needs, you know, kind of it's sort of like a public key. The underlying math needs this single public key that everyone agrees on, and we all use the same one. But because it's a public key, there's a corresponding private key. And the private key can be used to create fake proofs. So what that means is, in the context of zero cash, is I could create a proof that's completely fake that I had a coin when I never actually did. Or in other words, I can create money out of thin air. You know, which, depending on how the implementation works, either that steals from everyone in Zcash, you know, through, through inflation money, yeah, inflation counterfeiting money, 
or depending on how they do the implementation in the future, um, you could potentially do it so that you're essentially stealing from one person at random, you know, save the last person to go and create a coin. And that would control inflation, but of course now you know, old coins are always at risk. Either way, it's a really, really big backdoor, and essentially, um, sound sounds, sounds like a feature, not a bug. The Federal well, Reserve does this all the time. <laughs> well, you know, one way looking at it, it's a kill switch for the system, because the fact that inflation is happening and the current implementation is totally undetectable. All you could look at is say, well, all right, why is the Zcash price going down? Mm-hmm. That's all you would know. Why? Why is the dollar going down? Why is the Argentine peso Deep, going yeah, down? Yeah. yeah. And at least in those cases, it's public knowledge that they're inflating currency. <laughs> we you just know? don't know how much, well, necessarily. We, I mean, we have a somewhat good idea, they, but... They don't necessarily know how much either. Well, yeah, because North, North Korea might have yeah, plates, exactly, engraved yeah, plates yeah. that they can print but, stuff But, you know, off. We, we have reasonably good ideas on it. If someone did this with Zcash, I mean, if I were in possession of those keys, the obvious thing for me to do would be to steal what I thought I could get away with on an ongoing basis, and that would make me very rich. Just like our central bankers and their accompanying banks, right? <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> uh, so, so we had this setup, uh, trusted setup. Like, well, so the definition of trusted, a lot of it's used in a lot of security stuff. Is if something's trusted, it can go and break your system. So, by trusted setup, we mean the setup where it can go break your entire system. You know, it's a thing that can go kill kill your system. And all that means is simply the people who participated in it, collectively, they have the ability to shut down Bitcoin, um, shut down Zcash. Hopefully, they threw away those keys and destroyed them permanently. So now no one has the ability to do it. But if they didn't, then yeah, they can shut down Zcash and they make a lot of money in the process too. Thanks for listening to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast. Our awesome audio editor needs to eat. He makes your experience better by increasing the sound quality and decreasing the show's time by editing out unnecessary ums, ahs, pauses, and such. With only a few seconds of your time, you can support the show. Do you ever buy stuff on Amazon? Before you do, simply visit bitcoin.kn forward slash resources. You can get there from the homepage and click on one of the links. It takes you to Amazon. Then, at no additional cost to you, we get a tiny percentage of anything you purchase, even if it's not that particular item. These resources, they're all my favorite hacks that have increased my quality of life, so you might learn something helpful. They range from healthy snacks to sleep optimization, meditation tools, cognitive enhancers, immune system boosters, and much more. Maybe you'll find them useful. Either way, any support is greatly appreciated. Thanks, and now back to the show. Now, was there witnessing of the destruction of the keys, well, or that's not, that's not actually possible? I mean, think about it. You know, suppose your uh, suppose your name is um, Greg Andreessen or something, and you're sitting <laughs> across from some guy claiming to have a laptop whose keys are being destroyed, or um, maybe go prove he's someone important. You have no way of knowing what my laptop's doing. I could go prove from Satoshi, and you'd believe it. I could prove that the keys are being destroyed. Yeah, but I mean, everybody could could be operating with laptops that had been hardened in terms of not having networking devices or wireless devices. Like, unless you follow through the whole process, it's so easy. Yeah, but I mean, we have information system security standards for the setup of hardware and the creation of it. All all this stuff should be able to be audited at each particular step. If you were personally witnessing this, I, I mean, probably, I mean, we, we have we have, but, but, but we have procedures but, 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 for, no, for key generation. If you were personally witnessing it, 
I could probably convince you that it would be very difficult for me to not have destroyed the keys. But that proof does not transfer to anyone else. That proof is always based on trust. You might increase the number of trusted people from like one person, maybe six, maybe Well, yeah, the, I mean, these are key generation ceremonies. Exactly. I mean, our largest companies in the world do it. Well, they often try to avoid it because these ceremonies are pretty dubious things. Ver- Verisign, Google. And you notice how untrustworthy a lot of this stuff's been. Most, like, and the key thing is with the key ceremonies we've had so far, the to compromise them generates proof that they've been compromised, right? Which is a huge, huge thing. It's really, really important that you get explicit proof of who compromised what and so on. That's why certificate and transparency. Is so Snowden. <laughs> well, I mean, this is why certificate transparency has been so powerful because it forces the people who are trusted to reveal when they go behave dishonestly. And that has, you know, created this feedback loop where certificate authorities are now being forced to become more honest. Previously, they were getting away with, you know, creating illegitimate certificates left, right, and center. For the NSA and other uh, operators. They couldn't be trusted. Yeah. Because of national security letters and other things that added real problems to the process. Most of the public stuff we know about is them just doing it for money. Right? Like, I come to you saying, hey, I need this to develop this firewall that backdoors systems. And I fork over half a million bucks and you say, all right, whatever. That's the kind of thing that has actually happened more than anything else. As opposed to, say, public policy. <laughs> well, I mean, some some countries go end up doing it. But, you know, if you're the NSA, you don't want to get caught. And even prior to that, you'd eventually get caught. Whereas with well, isn't that what happened with the uh, NIST? Well, yeah, they, and they got caught almost immediately. NIST, NIST I mean, it was just obvious it was backdoor to the cryptographers. It probably took, what, it was about a year or something before people in the public noticed, hang on, this standard's completely broken. Like, you know, this is very different from the Zcash trusted setup where I can, you know, if I have that, those keys, I can make money undetectably. And even, perhaps even worse, even if you could detect the inflation, you wouldn't know which person did it. Why is that? Because... I mean, don't Z-cash you have to? Don't you have to have all the? What is it? Twenty-two or something? Well, six different um, stations, as it was called. In my case, the station I was the only person manning it. So ultimately, that six people have to conspire, or even worse, you could go break into those six. And actually, the way it was done, there's actually a single point of failure there, which is everyone was running the same software. Same operating system or the same? exact same software. Same software. Yeah. And if that software is backdoored, all bets are off. And if we can't prove what that software was and prove that it wasn't backdoored, I mean, the whole Zcash thing, the whole trusted ceremony thing is just a bunch of gobbledygook that doesn't mean anything. Generates a lot of trading volume. <laughs> well, some people would like that, but uh, that's, uh, that's not my intention. What is the intention with it? Well, I was hoping that we would real, you know, ultimately get some info on like how to do this right. I mean, ZK Starks are very useful. There's a lot of things you can use them for. I may need it myself for a lot of my uh, ideas for scaling Bitcoin. And if we can't figure out how to deal with this trusted setup. So it's an know, experiment. Yeah. To see how to apply this into trustless, decentralized, distributed networks? Well... They are not trustless and decentralized, but see how close we can get to that idea. You know, like it or not, trusted setup is trusted setup. 
it is a opportunity to have a kill switch in the system. You know, it's not like you can't have a truly decentralized thing with a trusted setup. You get very close, but it's not truly decentralized. What if what if it has been compromised with Zcash? Uh, but let's say it's not figured out for a couple of years. Well, Zcash is sitting at a like, one or two billion dollar market cap. Like I say, if I were in possession of those keys, I would be careful not to tip my hand off. You know, it's like killing the the goose that lays the golden eggs. You want to steal enough that you get yourself rich, but not enough that people will notice. And that's really easy. I mean, prices go up and down by huge amounts anyway. Uh-huh. You know, trading volume is huge. And Zcash is designed to be anonymous. The whole point of it is that you don't know who's buying and selling coins. So what happens if uh, there's strong suspicion that the, the case has been compromised? Would, well, would, would so, it need to be redone, perhaps? Well, on top of that, I mean, ignoring the suspicion whether or not it's been compromised, the crypto itself, it's both very experimental and relatively weak. I mean, that's for very experimental. Um, you know, one way of looking at it is like, if RSA was broken, That'd be front you know, front page news. You know, RSA is expected to actually work. You know, EC um, ECC cryptography is expected to work. You know, we have very strong reasons to think that the underlying math works. Often it's implemented badly, but the underlying math we do believe works. The underlying math behind ZK Snarks, the pairing crypto behind them, eh? You know, if that got broken tomorrow. It's not going to end up on the front page. It'll be huh, interesting. Someone actually did break the thing. We all thought it was kind of dubious. And so, what, ZK Snarks just don't have a long yeah. implementation history? Yeah. I mean, this is the first they time... They haven't been banged on a lot? Yeah. I mean, they just don't get used um, at all. Like, ZK Snarks specifically, Zcash, it's probably basically the first public implementation of it on a big scale for anything. And the crypto underneath it doesn't get used much. You know, some uh, pairing crypto gets used in some sort of corporate environments and so on, but it's, you know, it's not used in public environments where it's really tested properly or really vetted by a lot of people. So so let's say there is a problem in the underlying crypto and the math. Could it be remedied in any particular way? And if so, like well, how? If you could upgrade the system, um, what you'd essentially do is you'd say, after this point, all old coins still on the private, you know, encrypted and you know blinded outputs they all become invalid so you have this period of time to move your money from the old stuff to either a public non you know anonymous thing or directly to a new system and after that point in time whatever's remaining just vanishes and the coins are no longer valid and whatever did move in time those people get to keep their money the problem is if we don't figure out how to remove the trusted setup well, I mean, imagine the market cap at that point is $10 billion. If I stole the keys to the trusted setup, yeah, I could probably steal a good chunk of that $10 billion. Maybe you know, the whole thing over time. That now means my bankroll to compromise the ceremony is billions of dollars, potentially. There's a lot of stuff you can do with a billion dollars. 
Yeah, you can do crazy shit like fly drones over people. <laughs> to, you know, like read the EMI getting emitted by their laptops and stuff like that. For a Tempest attack. Yeah, <laughs> which is the sort of precautions I took when I participated in it. <laughs> Your like, tinfoil hat must be the size of a room. <laughs> well, so, I mean, I guess we haven't actually talked about this, but what I actually did for the trusted setup was essentially I went on a giant road trip. And long story short is I flew at the very last minute to Vancouver on a ticket I'd bought like, you know, about 45 minutes before the plane left, you know, turn off the cell phone and stuff, go in Vancouver, go buy laptops and whatnot with cash, you know, in a way where it was very unlikely that anyone knew where, you know, what laptop I was buying in advance. And I had a car and I started driving and the actual parts of the ceremony I did were done on the road with the laptop in its original box, actually, lined with uh, tinfoil. <laughs> Faraday cage. You know, after, like, the Wi-Fi being removed and so on. You know, so that anyone trying to go follow me and, you know, get the radio waves emitted by the laptop, which is a real compromise. This actually happens. Well, I mean, it's a Tempest attack, and it can be done exactly. up to eight miles away, and I think. Interesting. One of the people behind ZK Starks, one of the researchers, um, Aaron uh, Trommer, I think is his name, He's done a lot of research on breaking crypto systems through radio waves, and he's been quite successful, actually. So this is a real attack. It's oh, yeah. I mean, it's very plausible. Ban- panic freaking and yeah, Tempest yeah. attacks. That, I mean, it's known that, yeah. that there are incredible capabilities. Yeah. So, you can get the electromagnetic yeah. radiation even off of monitors yeah. and recreate what, yeah. what the monitors display. You know, I mean, specifically, some of his researchers was breaking um, uh, GNU PG. Huh. The interesting thing about this is if you record the radio waves, you can break it later. Right. They don't necessarily have to have a working break now. They can go figure it out later. Well, because you do cryptanalysis on it. Well, I mean, yeah, that's one way of putting it. I mean, it's just you you go buy another laptop like it, and you rerun this, the program. Right, and you you're, see what and it you're does. Doing, you're doing the yeah. cycles, and you, you've yeah. got the previous... Well, so you know, so I, my, I mean, my goal there was essentially, A, make sure that the tinfoil would, you know... <laughs> I mean, that's literally what I did. And I tested this with cell phone to you know, make sure that the radio waves are stopped. And I've kept the box so we can analyze it later. But you know, essentially, A, you block it that way. And B, you block it by the fact that you're driving down the highway with cameras on the front and back of the car. And anyone trying to go follow you is going to have a hell of a time doing this. Of course, remember what I said about drones? I didn't have a camera pointing up. <laughs> so who knows? Maybe... Yeah. Maybe... I mean, uh, maybe... The paranoidness. Uh, well, you know, through. if we had to repeat it, and someone had a big enough bankroll to compromise it, that's the exact kind of exploit they might do. They might go stick a, you know, radio scanner in your car in the first place. Like, there's just so many things that can go wrong with this. It's, it's a very hard problem. It's been fascinating, you know, talking about zero cash. Is there anything from the experience that you'd, you'd also like to share? You know, Canada before we, before really we wrap big. up the uh, interview, <laughs> Canada's really big. <laughs> I would not recommend driving up the, was it 97 Highway? What, towards Interior Whistler? BC. No, no, towards Prince George. Oh, okay. Whistler was close to Vancouver, where, <laughs> race where I was. Like, total round trip was, but I think, 2,200 kilometers. Wow. And, like, from Merritt to Prince George is empty. Although not too empty, because I did need to have a cell phone after all, like... In radio communication with people and one of the reasons why I picked it was I knew that whole area because it's flat and boring there's actually tons of industry there you know, there's logging trucks everywhere there's like pulp mills, there's sawmills you know, there's mines, 
I mean, at one point I went by Tech Valley Copper, which is like this massive open pit mine. Uh, pictures are incredible. But because of all that industry, there's cell phone towers everywhere. And you can be in the middle of nowhere. Like there's just nothing around you. And of course you have great cell phone reception. <laughs> but I mean, if, if you got cell phone towers and, and of course satellites, I mean, who knows if... Uh, Particular entities might have the ability to oh, do vanity freaking via satellite. Well, or... So, an interesting thing is uh, out of the Snowden leaks, if I recall correctly, I could double check which leak it was, there's been enough of them now, but uh, there's evidence that there are military satellites that can actually go and track people by their Wi Fi access points mm-hmm. or by their uh, Wi Fi MAC addresses. Yeah. Because from satellite, you can, in some cases, read Wi-Fi signals, you can um, receive them, and Wi-Fi signals end up having MAC addresses. MAC addresses are burned into the hardware, and most systems don't change. So if you, you know, turn on your laptop in, like, Argentina, and then turn on your laptop in Canada, whilst the satellite picks you up in both cases, they now know you've moved from one country to another, which is why I tried to go have my, uh, you know, laptop that I did have, that I hadn't bought, brand new, my had the Wi-Fi turned off the whole time. Yeah, we'd actually, uh, with Armory, we, we'd created some laptops where, well, one, the, the laptops themselves had no Wi-Fi cards or anything in them, but then the operating systems had uh, any networking components disabled, and then the, the, the operating system actually burned into CD so that yeah. it was read-only. That way, it was extremely hardened and not prone to giving off any more data or information or electromagnetic signals or radio signals than or Wi-Fi signals than absolutely necessary. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, if you're going to do security the right way. Right. <laughs> well, it's been a fascinating discussion about this experimental Zcash uh, <laughs> and, and being scared of your own shadow. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> All over Canada. Yeah. And I will say... Uh, uh, I wasn't expecting to do this interview, but uh, I will hope to have more of this stuff up on my blog soon, too. So, Well, wonderful. We've had uh, Peter Todd, Bitcoin core developer, and also involved in the Zcash uh, trusted setup. Thanks for being with us, Peter. Yeah, thank you. Be sure to get a copy of the free Bitcoin guide at freebitcoinguide.com. Got a question or suggestion? Record your voice at Bitcoin.kn. Don't be shy. To help the show, share Bitcoin.kn with friends, post about it on Reddit, and otherwise, spam the interwebs. Your iTunes comments and five-star reviews are very important to us. Please continue tuning in to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, where we release interviews with the top people in the Bitcoin world. Now take some choline and let that Bitcoin knowledge consolidate. 